All right, Jesse, we are live on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and on Facebook. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. We're going to be pulling up the chats and stuff, so let us know that things are good. It looks like audio video should be good. The, and actually, the notifications went out on LinkedIn, so thumbs up. Those are going to so that's very good. Okay, off to a good start here. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, let me pull this up real quick. Hope you guys are doing well, jumping in. Hope you're having a great day on all platforms. This is Level Up Experience. Got a really awesome show today, and I really I kind of want to get into it pretty quick because uh, we have a lot we could talk about, uh, trying to jam-pack a lot of awesome information and, and the stories that we're going to be talking through. So uh, guest today is Jesse Iwuchi, uh, joined the Level Up Experience today. He's a former U.S. Naval Academy football player, service warfare officer in the Navy, and first U.S. Naval officer to race in NASCAR. Uh, got, has some inter interesting experience in esports and gaming. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about mindset, entrepreneurship. So just a lot of different things I'd like to get into. But first, make sure you jump into chat. Let us know where you guys are coming from. We always love to hear that. Make sure to get questions ready. We're going to be obviously answering questions and uh, looking at your comments throughout. So feel free to go ahead and post those, and we'll get to those as soon as we can. Uh, but Jesse, I'm going to give you the floor for about – about two minutes, talk about yourself and catch everybody up, up to speed. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me, um, first of all. But uh, yeah, um, quick story on me. So originally I'm from Dallas, Texas. I grew up there my whole life and uh, both of my parents immigrated from the, uh, Nigeria to the US back in the early 80s before they had me and my two brothers and my sister there. And uh, growing up in Texas, uh, everyone knows high school football is king in Texas. So um, football was like my main thing I was doing when I was in high school there. And, uh, you know, grew up there just trying to find a way to get to college and play college football. So I worked really hard to get myself better. And I really wasn't great at football to start. But I just kept on working hard and grinding and just following the lead of some other people who were get, going off to college to play big time football. And then finally, by uh, my senior year, I started getting recruited by the Naval Academy. And uh, Naval Academy recruited me. And I looked at the opportunity as a great one to go to a great university where I can get a great education, play football for a great team that was doing really, really well. And then also have a career started for me as a naval officer in the United States Navy um, when I graduated. So it was a win in all different kind of factors. So I took that opportunity, went off to the Naval Academy, played football there all four years, ran track also all four years, uh, graduated in 2010 and became a surface warfare officer. Um, for those who don't know what a surface warfare officer is, we uh, were on the ships. So I went off to my first ship, which was a minesweeper. Uh, spent two years on that minesweeper, went on one 10-month deployment with them uh, over to the Middle East, to the Gulf. And then uh, my second deployment was with my next ship I transferred to, and that was with uh, USS Comstock. It was an amphibious ship. I went on one deployment with them. I was on that deployment for about five or so months before I came back. And um, uh, after I came back, that's when I started diving into the, uh, the whole racing thing that I'm in now. But uh, we'll get into more of that a little bit later. But that's kind of my, my basic story right there of how I went from uh, living in Texas, playing football, to playing football at the Naval Academy, to graduating and being an officer, and then now somehow finding my way into NASCAR. Let's, let's start with football real quick because you played in a really amazing game. Uh, you told me about the experience. Now, you played safety in college, is that right? Yeah, so in college I played safety. Um, I played pretty much safety my most of my time there. Uh, when I first got there to the academy, I was a corner. And um, after uh, – I didn't even actually make the varsity team, I would say – 
um, at first. I was on the um, basically practice team. And uh, after we on the practice team, we got to play some games against other junior colleges nearby. And um, after the first game we played against them, I did really, really well. And they just immediately were like, hey, we need to put you on the varsity traveling squad. And um, right when I got up there, we had another safety who was on that on the varsity team who got hurt. That gave me my opportunity to be able to play a little bit my freshman year and uh, be able to basically be on the traveling team for the rest of my time there. What was the biggest game you played in? Biggest game? Uh, so <laughs> Ohio State. That was probably the biggest, especially crowd-wise, definitely the biggest. Uh, a really, really cool game. That was the first game of my senior year. So we got to go over to Ohio State and play in the horseshoe there. That's a horseshoe, right? Yeah, horseshoe. Yeah. And uh, they played there, and yeah, we had over 107,000 people at that game. And uh, it was just deafening. I mean, the, the crowd was so loud, and it was truly like a sea of red. And the only other color that was there was like the um, our, our our dress whites that our midshipmen who were there. I think maybe our 100 or 200 midshipmen that were there, their dress whites. That was the only other color there. Besides there, it was all red. So it was a pretty cool game, and we and we battled them out. I mean, they were the number six team in the country. We went there and we took them down to the final two minutes of the game. Um, we went for, uh, for we went for a two point conversion after we scored a late touchdown in the fourth quarter. And if we would have scored on that two point conversion, we would have tied it up and potentially taken it to overtime from there. So um, they ended up intercepting it on uh, that uh, two point conversion, and then they ended up winning the game by four points. But it was pretty cool to see that we could hang with a team like that. That's incredible. You also play at Notre Dame. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, Notre Dame. We played Notre Dame twice. So, uh, you know, they were a really good team. I'm sorry, we played Notre Dame four times, but we beat them twice. Uh, they were a really, really good team. And uh, Make sure to get that in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, beat them twice while I was there. And then uh, the, uh, the, the following year after I graduated, they beat them one more time. So within a four-year period, uh, Naval Academy beat Notre Dame three times, which is pretty awesome. We haven't beat them since. Um, they've learned from their lessons, but uh, we will beat them again eventually. Just wait. Navy, Navy will come back around. So uh, it was really cool to be part of the team that beat them twice and, um, you know, to be able to do that, go there to Notre Dame and not do it at our, our place, but do it at their place in front of their crowd. Uh, that was pretty cool. And playing in that stadium, they're, like everyone should go to a Notre Dame game at some point. It's a really cool place and so much history and tradition. Like that stadium has been around since I don't even know when, but a definitely cool place to go to. So I got a kind of high level question for you because you talk about all of your different experiences uh, with traditional sports, esports, putting it all together, and gaming, and, and what you're doing now um, with NASCAR. Can you kind of encapsulate that a little bit? Like, what are the connections between traditional sports and esports? What's the crossovers? Uh, talk about mindset, um, setting goals for yourself. Like, what are some things that kind of cross over to both? Yeah, between like esports and traditional sports. So, you know, esports is definitely coming along a lot. I mean, over the last couple of years, there's just been this huge explosion, you know, definitely due to, I believe, social media, the internet, and everything, and how everything is now, how people can stream things live from their very own house and computers, cell phones, and everything. Uh, just having that capability to basically be your own broadcast net, uh, network um, through all these platforms, that's definitely helped um, things like uh, all the different gaming uh, um, sports really explode. So, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, are still kind of old school and sometimes look at it as, oh, it's just a video game. It's just a video game. I think of it as, you know, the Tetris back in the day and Super Mario and blah, blah, blah. Things have definitely evolved a lot. I mean, these people who are in these big esports tournaments, these teams, these players, um, you know, they're, they definitely 
I mean, there's a lot of concentration that goes into this. I mean, and they're definitely training too. You don't you don't just jump on a game and just all of a sudden think that you're the number one in the world. I mean, these people are literally training 10, 12, 14, 15, 16, 18 hours a day, every single day, just to be as good as they are. So, um, you know, it's just like traditional sports where, you know, we have to train too, you know, in NASCAR, we have to train. Um, and, and when I played football, we had to train. I mean, football was a full-time gig. I mean, every single day of the year you're training, like there is no off season, you know, just because the season's like technically over doesn't mean we just go off and just chill out for the next six, seven, eight months. No, we have to still train. So we're going through off-season workouts, which are even harder than regular football practices. So it's the same thing with these esports guys. Like they really have to train a lot. They really have to concentrate. And there's just the level of competition there is, is crazy because anyone can get in. So when anyone can get in and there is no barrier, all of a sudden you're going to see a lot more opportunities for really, really good people to be competing. Yeah, and so a couple of shout outs real quick. He's got a couple of points on that. So I want to say hey to David and Colt. Thanks for jumping in on LinkedIn. Just a reminder, go ahead and post your questions throughout. We'd love to make this uh, a Q&A. Um, but you know what's interesting on your story is the bridge between when you were in the military to racing and how gaming and iRacing actually came into place. So can you talk a little bit about, for those that may not know what iRacing is and how that helped you bridge that gap? Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, even getting into racing, I know a lot of people are just trying to ask, like, hey, like, how did you go from being on a ship to racing a NASCAR? Well, pretty much this is how it happened. Um, I had always liked cars. I had always liked racing. When football was over for me in 2010, going into the Navy, I needed my next extreme thing to do and cars were it. But at first, I didn't think I was going to become a professional race car driver. I was just into cars and I wanted to take my personal cars to tracks and do track days and things like that. That's all I wanted to do for my first few years. And that's all I did for my first four years in the Navy. And then um, going into about 2014, I think it was January 2014, I was sitting in my room one night and I was like, you know what? Like, I've never been a person to just sit at the lowest level possible of whatever I'm doing. Whatever I'm doing, I try to get to the highest level possible. I love cars. I love going to tracks. I love doing all these track days. Why do I try to become a professional race car driver? And I was sitting in my room one night and I, and I decided to get up and I went to my whiteboard in my room and I wrote on the whiteboard. And I said, Jesse, become a professional race car driver. And that's literally where the journey started. I didn't know where to go, what to do. I didn't have any kind of support. Um, I don't have like a wealthy family who can just, you know, pay for a lot of things for me and do all that stuff. Um, I, didn't, I didn't come from that. I mean, both of my parents immigrated from Nigeria. They work hard here to have a decent living, but um, I knew I wasn't going to get any support from there. And uh, I knew they didn't know anything about racing anyway, so I wasn't going to get much support. <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe moral support, that's about it. Yeah. Um, from there, I was like, you know, i got to figure out a way to make this happen. So, um, you know, I, I heard about iRacing. I heard about it's a way you can get on there and train and learn a lot of things, learn tracks, learn cars, learn vehicles, all that stuff. So I downloaded iRacing after my second deployment. I came back home in early 2015. I downloaded iRacing and got on there basically every single day for about three months and trained myself to a point where I could finally jump into a real life late model stock car and race it at um, Irwindale Speedway because there was a team I had connected with earlier who told me, hey, you can come race with us. It's going to cost you $5,000 per race and you can come race with us. So for me at that time, basically I had to rent the ride because I didn't own a race car. So I had to bring that 5000 each time I race and me being a lieutenant in the Navy, um, you know, we make a little bit over 5,000 a month. So I couldn't bring my whole check. So I had to find the money also. And that's where the entrepreneurship comes into because basically I had to start my own business on the side while still being active duty Navy to make extra money to be able to pay for my racing. And, and when I didn't have enough money coming in from the business, I had to find sponsorship. And that was definitely tough, but I did find it. 
And I found a little bit of it enough to at least get me through my first year of racing before my business took off a little bit more and left and was able to pay for my racing itself for, you know, about a year or so. so talk the, yeah. Talk about the sponsorship journey a little bit. Yeah. Sponsorship journey. It's hard. It's not easy at all. You know, a lot of people ask, you know, hey, you know, how do you get sponsors? How does that work? You know, and some and a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about it. Uh, sponsorship has changed over the years. You know, back in the day, it used to be a thing where people in companies were fighting over sponsorship like left and right. I mean, basically, if you were racing, everyone wanted to be on your car. Um, nowadays, there's so many different avenues companies can um, market themselves through, um, whether it's influencers on social media, whether it's you know ads, commercials, whatever, um, social media as whatever, there's all different kind of ways companies can do things. So now, um, you know, traditional sponsorships have changed where, you know, companies are like, hey, you know, I could spend a lot with you or I could spend it over here and they have all these options. So it's become a lot more difficult. But if you make yourself very valuable for their marketing campaign and you, you can become an asset for that campaign and be an authentic asset for that campaign, uh, campaign um, sometimes I can help you get into it. So really, it takes just a lot of relationship building. I tell people it's not just I think I mean, yeah, you could go win a ton of races on a track and maybe that's going to help you. But at the end of the day, there's been so many companies that could have sponsored some very winning, winning drivers and winning people. But they haven't because maybe the people didn't fit their campaigns. So you've got to find a way to be an authentic fit for whatever marketing campaigns that company is doing. And then that will allow that company to get the return on investment that they want, because um, sometimes only getting eyeballs on their brand sometimes isn't enough for that particular company. Some companies, that's all they need. But some companies, maybe they want the B2B um, opportunities in NASCAR. Maybe they want to be able to connect with other companies in NASCAR. Maybe they want to use NASCAR sponsorship as a way to um uh, um, give like give back to their employees and have empl employee appreciate appreciation events at these places. There's all different kind of ways sponsors want to make it work. So you've got to, as a driver and as a team, figure out how do you make their marketing campaign work because they don't. The, the companies don't need you. You need them. So you've got to figure out a way to be able to be an authentic fit for their campaign. Yeah. No. And it's it's coming together. Uh, and it's not just about. Uh, numbers. It's not just about impressions. Kind of like you said, it's, is, is it the right fit? Is it the right culture? Um, mm -hmm. There's more pieces of the puzzle than just, you know, putting a couple numbers together and saying, okay, we're going to come in and sponsor you and, and then somehow get ROI on that, you know, on the back yeah. end. Of it. So no, I think, I think all those are, they're really good points. Uh, so just, I'm just curious. So walk through a typical day right now, as, as of right now, when, you know, I know obviously, obviously over the last couple of weeks, things has changed a lot around the world. Right. But What's your typical day looking like and what has changed over the last few weeks? And then how do you how do you train for these races? Yeah. So, um, you know, things have changed for sure. So uh, just a few weeks ago, um, I was doing some of my active training for the year. So as a reservist, you do your one week in a month and um, two weeks a year because now I'm in the reserves. I've been in the reserves for almost three years now since uh, leaving active duty. And, um, you know, just a few weeks ago, I was uh, over in the Gulf um, doing my couple weeks of training. And uh, I when I left the US, the US was in a certain state. And when I came back, the US was in a different state and um, a way different state. I came back to basically some, you know, a shutdown pretty much. I mean, everywhere was closed. There was no one on the roads. It, it was crazy. I was like, is this an apocalypse? What's going on? And, um, you know, coming back, I knew that, hey, things are going to be a little bit different now. And over the last couple of weeks or so, I've seen that things are definitely changing. And it's going to affect a lot of things. It's going to affect the economy. It's going to affect a lot of people's lives in a lot of different ways. So for me, I've had to change up my routine a little bit and not too much, but just a little bit. Um, for me, my daily routine is, you know, uh, 
I, I don't have a, a day job. Um, I own, you know, uh, to work, pretty much running like three businesses right now. And um, basically I can run those from home or wherever I'm at. So um, that hasn't really changed too much. I pretty much run those each day, just making sure everything's just flowing right. Um, and then uh, as far as um, outside of that, um, training on iRacing, I get on iRacing pretty much each day for about one to three hours or so each day. Uh, training on there, just learning different tracks and learning different techniques and trying to race against people and just uh, learning different things. And with NASCAR now, partnering up with iRacing and Fox Sports 1 and airing these races on TV now, it's been really cool. It made it even more fun to train for iRacing. Normally, I mean, I was going to train no matter what, but now right. I'm like stepped up. And, um, you know, when you train by yourself all the time, you kind of get into a little bit of a lull. You just kind of do the same thing over and over and over. Now I'm getting into all these little, you know, getting into these leagues where uh, we have all these little sessions and, uh, you know, all these great drivers who race in real life are in these sessions. And now you have to step up your level of play because uh, they're all really, really good and you don't want to be the slowest out there. So um, that's definitely helped me, I think, a lot to be able to jump in these sessions and see what these guys are doing and try to see if I can match them. And, um, you know, we've been hanging in there pretty good. We just had a race on Saturday night for the Saturday Night Thunder, um, which was basically not the Cup Series drivers, but all the uh, Xfinity Series, Truck Series, ARCA drivers. They had a chance to qualify in only 24 spots. I qualified in, um, started 11th in the race. Um, got all the way up to eighth at one point, got caught up in a few wrecks, got spun a few times, got hit, <laughs> had to pit a bunch of times, do a whole bunch of stuff to stay in the race. But I didn't quit. We stayed to the end of it, um, ended up finishing 15th. But, um, you know, it was still fun and good time and good training, just being able to run against these people and uh, try to fight through everybody's aggression. <laughs> uh, explain a little bit about uh, using a simulator with practice and actual event, what that even feels like going through all that. Cause I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that have never actually used a simulator. Uh, is it VR? Is it not? I guess talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So simulator rigs. Um, so when we get on iRacing and, and train, um, it's not just a joystick, right? You don't got a, you know, a little joystick like PlayStation or Xbox or anything like that. We're literally in a rig and that's why they call it simulator. There's a difference between simulation in regular video games, right? There are two different things. Simulation truly does everything in its power to simulate real life. Video games don't simulate real life. They simulate fantasy. It's a fantasy world. It's all made up. Simulators simulate real life. So when we get in the simulator, all of us, we all have these rigs, right? So we're basically sitting in a, in a pretty much a race, a real life race seat. Um, we have a steering wheel right in front of us, just like a regular size steering wheel. We have a shifter where, you know, you can shift through the four speed on our on the transmissions for the cars. Uh, you have a wheel, uh, pedal setup where you have your gas, brakes and clutch. Um, you have to use all of them. And uh, we pretty much have that setup right there, which is what we use to uh, uh, basically, you know, race on the simulator. So um, this helps us give us the, uh, that real life feel. And some people have a, a screen setup where they might have one single screen in front of them, three screens to simulate like being in a car and just your um, your field of view. And then some people like me, I have a VR setup. So VR is virtual reality. So I have an Oculus Rift. And when I put that on, it basically puts me in the real race car. So no matter where I look, I'm looking in a race car. If I look left, I see the window. I look right, I see bars and another window. If I look behind me, I see the back of the car. If I look up, I see the ceiling. If I look down, I see my legs. It's pretty crazy. And then it, that I, the reason I use that is because it gives me the most realistic feel because 
Now I have that 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 speed, that's that that sense of speed, speed sensation uh, coming around me. You know, when I'm passing different things, passing people, if I'm spinning it out, whatever, you kind of get that sensation like, hey, I'm in the car. And there's been times where, you know, somebody's hit me and I've spun out and hit a wall and like literally my normal body shakes because I my mind thinks I actually hit it. So it really puts you in the vehicle and really puts you in the game. And again, those that aren't familiar, you don't have to use VR necessarily. Yeah, you don't have to use VR. You can use one screen. You can literally use this laptop that I'm using right here. Um, you know, that's a cool thing with uh, esports, iRacing, anything like that. You can really start from a, a low, low level. I mean, I would say the simplest way to get into iRacing or any kind of racing simulator, you could literally use your regular computer um, in a screen or your laptop. And then like some of these uh, steering wheel setups, uh, come in a way where you don't have to use like a race seat rig or all that stuff. You could literally like um, uh, latch the uh, steering wheel onto like a desk or something like that. Um, a really good driver, Timmy Hill, he has a steering wheel latched to his, uh, you know, his desk that he uses for in his, in his office. So uh, you can do a lot of different things. You don't have to spend a ton of money. You can get into this whole thing for maybe a couple hundred, $300 or so. Um, you could also spend up to 30, 40, 50 grand to get a really crazy rig. So it just depends on what's your budget. My budget, when I bought my, bought my simulator rig, I think I had a budget of six, $700. So that's what I spent to get my rig. And I've used the same rig since January of 2015. Wow. And that's, you know, the other thing I was mentioned 2015. So iRacing has been around for years. Yeah. Yeah. Long, I think, but I think, you know, may, right now, obviously what's happened in the last few weeks, you've had the mainstream effect come in, you know, with, with you mentioned uh, the iRacing League and eNASCAR being on FS1 and Fox Sports. Uh, the funny story for me is my stepdad's a huge NASCAR fan, fan, and I told you about this before he jumped on. But you know, I talked to him the Sunday after the te the Texas Motor Speedway event like, last week, and uh, you know, he, for years my brother's a Smash Bros. player, so he'd kind of like make fun of him and like, why are you playing those games all these years? Like, why do you watch people play games and all that? And then now he can officially say that he's watched an esports event because because <laughs> he wanted to watch NASCAR, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. NASCAR, so he's gonna watch eNASCAR the racing series. So, yeah. Um, so you have the, that mainstream effect uh, coming. I just, I just found that I found that really interesting. Um, we're seeing a big shift right now. I think we're seeing a huge shift. And um, this was esports time. Like, I mean, like, as unfortunate it, you know, as unfortunate it is right now with all the events going on with COVID nineteen and people getting sick, people losing their lives, families getting broken up. You know, there's a lot of things happening right now, and it's really sad. But we kind of needed a positive thing to do. I think esports was it, you know, because a lot of people were worried. They're like, what are we going to do? We're stuck at home. We can't even watch sports. Like, we literally can't watch the things that bring us together and, and make us happy and make life enjoyable. We can't even watch it. Esports has now filled that gap and filled that void. And now people can, can virtually basically watch other uh, things that they really love. And, and with iRacing being as, as, as dynamic as it is and having all the technology that's, that's in it now, I mean, it looks so realistic. The racing is so real. Um, you know, I even saw something last night, uh, NBA 2K, they're doing little tournaments with basketball players now. So there's all different kind of uh, esports things that are, that are really kind of jumping in and taking advantage of this opportunity and showing people like, hey, we can we can hang with the big boys. We can put on a great show also. Um, and I could see this, you know, eventually get to a point where there's real life sports and esports e and they're both on TV all at the same time and all throughout the year. 
um, sports never end. You just basically keep going. You can switch from one to the other. And I would love to see, you know, after the NASCAR season, you know, maybe iRacing coming in and, and being that and filling that void between the end of the NASCAR season to the beginning of the NASCAR season and racing just continuing all year long so people can always have something to watch. You made a great point. It's bringing them both together. It's bringing traditional sports and esports together. You know, the, the, you know, it gets kind of heated, you know, esports versus traditional sports where I really feel it's both. And there's, yeah. like you said, that compliment is, is, is really cool. And there's a lot of different ways to activate. Um, and as of, you know, I, like, as you mentioned, unfortunately, right now, all we have is the esports side. But opening up, you know, I've had, a, we've had interesting conversations on here, over, especially the last few weeks, but how it's just opening people's minds to it. Because yeah. esports has kind of been a you know on the back burner, like we'll deal with that later. You know, we'll look mm -hmm. at it later from you know, our company mm -hmm. business perspective. But now it's obviously on you know they're looking at it first because it's the only yeah. thing we look at um, from a business standpoint, the sponsorship and things like that. So mm -hmm. I do agree with you that it's a it's going to be kind of putting both of them together and kind of what that looks like. And what's interesting is no one has the answer to that either. That's why yeah. it's so fascinating because it's it's innovative. And people are going to have to think out, outside the box. And I've said this before, two leagues that are progressive, that mm -hmm. look forward, that are forward-looking, that just mm -hmm. step out and do it, they're yeah. the only ones that are going to win. And the, oh, yeah. ones, and the ones that kind of put their hands up and say, well, we don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. and, you, and I don't, I don't want to call out any <laughs> any leagues mm -hmm. or associations, but you know mm -hmm. they are because they're not doing anything about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and people, they're, they're eventually going to have to come around. At the end of the day, you can't old school think. you got to be innovative. you got to keep moving with the times. Times change, especially nowadays with the way technology is and how things can spread so quick. Times change a lot more rapid. Like, you know, back in the 60, 60s, times changed over 10 years. Nowadays, it's like times change over a month or two or a few weeks now. You know, so um, things are rapidly changing. You got to get with the program. I think NASCAR did a great job by taking the step forward and really jumping into this. I think maybe two years ago, maybe two or three years ago, I can't remember exactly when they started kind of diving into the esports world. But um, they started doing it, and there wasn't a lot of other, I think, racing associations that were really getting the picture yet. NASCAR took the big leap and was like, you know what, we're going to you know, start doing something with this. And um, now, like, for right in the moment, I mean, this uh, the moment these shutdowns you know, kicked off, you know, NASCAR immediately was like, hey, we're going to make this happen right now. It's now or never. And uh, iRacing, you know, was there to be able to provide and, and put on a great show. And the partnership between iRacing and NASCAR, I think, has been great. And I think it's only going to evolve from here become bigger it's going to become better and um i'm looking forward to the to how esports turns out you know, over the next few years well the virtual texas speedway event had over 1.3 million viewers across fox yeah. sports and fs1 so you're talking just incredible numbers and it, and it smashed the record for uh, a televised esports event which it held the week before that was nine hundred thousand viewers so it's yeah. just it's really cool to see those numbers and, and activate that across you know traditional media platforms. And then, like as you mentioned, NBA 2K, ESPN this weekend had it on ESPN two. Uh, yep. They had twelve hours of esports on ESPN two. For those that did not that did not see that, half a whole uh, twelve hours, half a day of esports on ESPN two. It's the first steps. They're they're not even talking about ESPN plus yet. There's all, yeah. all the statistics they got to work that out to stream it. So you know, everyone's figuring it out. Um, and they don't, like I said, they don't even have the answers, right? Yeah, the yeah. That they're just doing it, right? Yeah. And the production value is not perfect on these mm -hmm. events, and, and yeah. they come out, and right. but like you yeah. said, that's, but that's like with anything, you said your mindset, and you just got to get out and do it, yeah, exactly. You pretty much 
And I think, you know, eventually, I mean, I think all these networks are going to get to a point where like, hey, we have to make a separate network for this so that we can really just full time do this. Because, I mean, people are full time esports, esporting it up, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I could see NBC Sports, Fox Sports, uh, ESPN having their own esports networks where it's ESPN esports. Um, FS1 esports or Fox Sports esports or Fox esports, you know, um, there's all different kind of ways to do it. And uh, I think there's enough content out there. There's enough people doing it and there's enough viewers um, where because at the end of the day right now, all these viewers that are watching this stuff, because there are millions of viewers watching this stuff online. Um, I think these uh, these networks, they need to tap into that market because it's there. Twitch is killing it right now. And, you know, why hasn't a big network bought Twitch yet? I don't know. Um, but uh, well, so, yeah, so Amazon owns Twitch. Amazon bought it yeah. in 2014, uh, okay. and, I, and I and I doubt that they're going to put it on the market. You know, <laughs> here's a funny story: is uh, Amazon and and uh, Amazon and Google battled over Twitch back okay. in the day. They they had a bidding, they not a bidding war, but there was this. There was, it, you actually Google had it locked up. And most don't even know this. I think the story has been very suppressed, in my opinion. Yeah. I also know this, but they had it locked up. But there was antitrust issues. So then, so then during that that whole issue or whatever, there's this window. Yeah. Amazon came right in. They outbid them, gone, and they got it. Yeah. That's a huge deal. And and I don't hear that talked about very much. That can yeah. you imagine if somehow Google had Twitch, you know? And then you know, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to be offensive to YouTube gaming, but YouTube yeah. gaming not is not. Twitch, right? So that's yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> so I don't know yeah. the comments about that, but you know, it's um, you know the IPs and just it's just you, you have to lock up the real estate. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. it's virtual real estate and things like it's that. So real estate. Kind of, well, again, when you have Amazon and Google battling over something, they're both right. they're both pretty smart. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> they saw where it's going. They saw where it's going. I mean, they saw the viewers. They saw people were like, "Hey, like this." I mean, if you if you look on, um, I, I forget what it is, like the thing where you can check all the websites' rankings and stuff. I mean, Twitch is like up there, and it, it, it's crazy. It's like, wow, this gaming platform online is really, really up there. So it's definitely a new wave. It's definitely is definitely um, getting into a lot more homes in front of a lot more eyes, and um, you know, it's it's a new way to watch watch gaming and. Um, all the other platforms are going to have to step their game up to be able to take from those viewers and, and have them on their platforms too. So I'm going to grab a couple of questions. So jump in LinkedIn, YouTube, go ahead and jump in with some questions, you guys, some really interesting stuff. And I know you, you all come up with really good questions and talking points. Uh, we, we do this about three or four times a week. So it's like an ongoing conversation. That's what we try mm -hmm. to do. So uh, yeah. David, David, and on LinkedIn, do you guys see esports on major sports networks like ESPN becoming common and lasting post Corona virus? I I think so. I think so. Like I said earlier, I I really believe these networks are going to have to come up with their own um, plan to to create a separate network for this. So I could see ESPN having an ESPN esports, just like I have a. So so they do have they do have a kind of inside of esports ESPN esports. They actually have it, but it's not. It's not an actual look. There's not a, there's not as much content that should be pushed through there to be in my. Yeah. That's my it's my opinion that there's yeah. a lot more content pushed through there to where people mm -hmm. should know there's ESPN esports. You yeah. know, what I'm again, I feel this is just my feeling. If people can disagree with me in the comments or whatever, that's fine. But I feel that it's been kind of suppressed. It's been kind of okay. Well, we're gonna have it. We're gonna call it ESPN esports, but it's not gonna be on the front and center. And mm -hmm. I, I get you're not. I get you can't just all of a sudden say we have ESPN esports and then it's all yeah. in front of the NBA and all that. I, I, I get that, but mm -hmm. 
and I think people would agree with me that there wasn't enough resources there. Yeah. Really. But at least, at, let's say this, at least they had it. At least yeah. they had a little bit of a, of a floor, right? And then mm-hmm. just to activate. Because because now now some would actually argue, that the argue, argument right now is that why did it take so long? Why did it take three weeks for ESPN to do this? This whole 12 hour yeah. event they did this weekend, why mm-hmm. did it take three weeks? There's yeah. a lot of questions with that. I'm not, we won't necessarily get into all that, right? Yeah. Look, at least they have it. At least they did the content this past weekend. Look, uh, decision makers are figuring it out, but it's, mm-hmm. it's about speed, innovation, and getting the content out there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it took them a while to do it. And, uh, you know, NASCAR jumped in it pretty quick. And and the funny thing is, NASCAR's already been on live TV with esports before. I mean, they, they did the, um, the, uh, the, the, um, they have another esports league within uh, iRacing for all the uh, iRacing pro drivers. Um, they're not uh, like real life professionals; they're the iRacing pro drivers. And I believe they put that on NBC Sports or something like that. I'm pretty sure I saw that the um, whenever that happened. Um, but that was that early this year or last year? I think it was a championship. I can't remember if it was early this year or late last year. But um, whenever it happened, um, that was on NBC Sports, and that was cool to see. I, I think that was the first time I believe. I can't remember that. Um, they put on this whole esports event for NASCAR uh, on TV, and I believe it did well. But this was different because you had the, all the star power from real life racing actually racing in it. You know, before for the other thing, um, all the kids and people who are racing in that league, they're all really, really good drivers in iRacing, but they don't have the big names and stuff. So, um, you know, obviously the big names will attract, you know, a lot more viewers and attention. Yeah, Colt says on LinkedIn, I can see it staying on ESPN. A lot of people watch esports tournaments and go to land events for ESPN to not continue to have some form of esports on their channel would be a missed opportunity for sure. Uh, Tyler, what's going on? The tech world claimed territory five years ago and placed bets. Everyone is trying to figure out how to pivot. I think that's I think that's exactly what's happened. Uh, Tyler did have a question as well. How is NASCAR engaging parents and aspiring esports athletes around gaming? You know what? So as far as NASCAR engaging parents and stuff, I don't, I don't know what they're doing on the on the parent side, but um, you know, I, I I do know NASCAR at least over the last couple of years or so, three years or so, um, they've been really really pushing this whole esports thing, really saying, telling people like, hey, you know, we know that um, you know, it, yes, it's it's expensive to get into racing, like to get into real life racing, it just costs money. There's no way around it. I mean, to get in a race car to buy tires, fuel. Um, travel costs, whatever, all that stuff, it's just, it costs money. You know, it's not, you know, obviously it's not cheap. So um, NASCAR has been really pushing the iRacing thing for everyone else because there's only a select few people who are going to be able to have the money or find the money to get into real life racing. For everybody who maybe just doesn't have that opportunity to find it or just can't figure it out, uh, NASCAR has been pushing like, hey, you can still get into racing and becoming a race, become a race fan um, by doing this iRacing thing, by racing on NASCAR Heat, which is NASCAR's video game. All that stuff, um, people can do all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think by pushing that, I think parents are probably looking at that like, hey, if maybe I don't have the money to buy my kid a go kart, maybe I can put them in iRacing and they can get attention and notoriety through there, you know, because that's going to grow and there's going to be bigger tournaments for that and maybe more money put out and all that stuff. So, um, I think NASCAR is basically providing an alternative for parents now so that they don't basically go broke trying to get into racing because that happens a lot. Looking at the different leagues, looking at the different titles, uh, and just having conversations uh, really almost obviously every day around here, um, I it, it seems as if the barrier to entry into racing is some of the lowest in the industry when it comes to esports as far as being able to participate, to start, to get going. Like I, I get 
like you mentioned, like, you know, you're going to have a little bit of a startup cost with some equipment, but that doesn't have to be $10,000 for the simulators and all that. So it just seems like to me, and if someone came out and said it too, I, I can't think of who said that, but the barrier to entry into these racing leagues and just starting and like with iRacing, I mean, how quickly can you get started with iRacing? I mean, you get as soon, you'd be as soon as today. I mean, literally you could, you could go get, get your equipment. You could go to Best Buy or something like that, buy a steering wheel, buy the pedals or GameStop or something like that. And then you can go download iRacing depending on how, you know, how good your computer is, how long it's going to take. I mean, you could get into it as soon as today. And um, yeah, the barrier to entry, it, it isn't high. I mean, anyone can jump into it. Anyone can learn. And the cool thing on iRacing is it's not like everyone on there is just some crazy, really, really good part, you know, driver on iRacing or something like that. You know, a, a lot of these people don't even have experience. They're just jumping on there just to learn, you know? So there's different, there's different levels of it. When you first get into iRacing, they have like a, a license system where at first you're considered a rookie, then you get a, a, a C-class license and then a B-class license, and then an A-class license, which allows you to move up and jump into certain cars. So you can't you can't get into iRacing and immediately be like, hey, I'm going to race in, a, in a, a, a license A type, um, you know, race immediately. No, because the people who are racing at those races, they have a lot of experience on iRacing and they're pretty good and they don't want people who are rookies coming in and messing it up. So you got to work your way up. So there's like a ladder system that helps develop you as a driver in iRacing before you get into the top tier racing. Now, they do have special little um, races that happen uh, that you can use these uh, Class A type cars, Class B and all that stuff. And they're like their own separate little races where um, they don't count towards your I rating or your safety rating or anything like that. You can go do those for fun. But if you really want to work up and get to the point where you get your Class A license, um, then uh, you got to work through their ladder system. And, and, and the cool thing with iRacing is you can't just jump in and start being stupid, right? Because then your your safety rating goes down. And when your safety rating goes down, that means you aren't going to get your next license. So you literally have to jump in and you have to drive smart. I mean, literally, you can't hit anything. The moment you start hitting stuff, you get points docked every single time. So for you to actually move up, you literally got to go in and run perfect races, no wrecks, no spins. And that trains you as a driver to just be smart. So that's the cool with iRacing. They're not they're not only rewarding you for going out there and finishing well, they're rewarding for you for being a clean racer because the more clean racers you have in iRacing, the better the show is going to be, the better the races are going to be, and the more um, experience people are going to gain. That's that's really interesting. It's like the integrity of the race, the integrity of the league, and the, and the, the different levels to make sure that, that they're vetting the drivers. They're not just throwing random drivers up to yeah. – up to the A series, it's, let's let's say A series at the top. Yeah, I mean that makes that makes sense. And you're protect you're protecting the experience for the drivers. Exactly, exactly. Um, now, wrecks still do happen. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> A race doesn't mean um, <laughs> the wrecks not going to happen. Wrecks still happen. So people still do some stupid stuff. People get mad and do some stupid stuff here and there. It's going to happen. It happens in real life. I mean, in real life racing, people do dumb things sometimes. Um, so option to it, human element. Yeah, but. Um, there's other ways to combat it too, because even though you have the, you know, your 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 A license in iRacing, um, there's still levels in it. So you could be in the bottom split or the middle split or the top split, right? So if you're in a bottom split, you're kind of like in the the, the bottom of the barrel type, uh, uh, you know, A license people. But if you're a top split, you're I mean, you're racing against people who have the most experience and they're the best at iRacing. So um, even then, even no matter what license you have, there's still splits. So that separates, you know, the better of the bunch in each one of those uh, license categories. Yeah, that, that's really interesting on that. So I did have a really good question here from Colt on LinkedIn. 
Do you think it would be beneficial for NASCAR to pay some bigger influencers to try and stream the iRacing series and to play their video games to get more people interested? Um, the thing is, NASCAR is a league. NASCAR, you know, from what I know at least, um, I don't believe they pay anyone really like that. Um, NASCAR is a league. They control um, races. They're, they're the sanctioning body. So um, just like the NFL, the NFL doesn't pay players. Teams play the players, right? So um, if teams wanted this thing to explode more, yes, they can have their own esports teams that they pay influencers to be drivers on and promote this whole thing. I don't believe NASCAR themselves would be paying influencers to do that. Um, who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, once again, yeah, I'm not, I want to get your take. Yeah. And, um, I'm not in the industry of like on the industry side of NASCAR, so I don't know how things work over there. But from what I can see, I don't, I don't think they would do that. Um, um, I don't know. Maybe iRacing could do it. I don't know. Maybe iRacing is like, hey, we need a few more influencers to really make this thing explode. And then I think iRacing has already seen a huge uptick in sure subscriptions i mean i i remember before when i would every time i jump on i see anywhere between three to six thousand people online because it always shows you the number people right. were on there. and then like now over the last few weeks it's like like 13 to twenty thousand people online at any given moment every single day like it, it's jumped up so much so i'm really really happy for the guys at iRacing because i know they've been working so hard to, to make for years, for years. and i, I want to make it clear from earlier if you missed it if you just jumped in um iRacing's been around for years. Do you know what? Do you know what year actually it started? Uh, uh, I believe it started in two thousand four ish or so. It was the early two thousand before two thousand five. I, <laughs> I did not know it was that far. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Yeah, wow. I think it's like two thousand four or so. I think. I think somewhere in that range. Colt, Colt, go back and watch my interview with Veloce Esports and the founder Jamie McLaren. Go back and watch that because he talks that there's, there's about 10 minutes worth or so about their team, how they built it since 2017 with influencers and the different layers of their organization. Mm-hmm. And they're an F1. So obviously okay. the same conversation, but they're F1. Yeah. So, I mean, and they're crushing it. They're absolutely okay. destroying it and just doing very well. Um, and they've done, they, they did basically like these events, right? Where they, they called it like not, like hashtag not the Australian GP. Not the following uh, GP. So it was like this meme. Yeah, it was like this meme thing. So that they went from a physical race within 48 hours. So the, the the whole watershed event, as far as like the cascading effect, when the NBA suspended their season, everything else happened after the NBA. That's how yeah. this worked out, right? So then, mm-hmm. the, obviously, they had to cancel their Australian event in like mm-hmm. three days. Well, within three days, they said, "All right, we're going to go right all virtual." Where yeah. they, they they transitioned within, within a few days, made it all virtual. And just they've, it's, they've, they've done it every week and they called it the not the series. Yeah. Go back and watch that uh, cult on Veloce Esports because he gets into a lot of details about influencers and teams, how they train, even mm-hmm. like even how they're paid, not how much they're paid, but how they're paid and things like that. Yeah. Really fascinating. And it's one of the I best started, in the world. I started my own esports team now too. It's called Team Red List. So, you know, I got an esports team now for, and it's mainly iRacers, but. Um, yeah. I want to branch it out and have people playing some of those big games like uh, League of Legends and Fortnite and all that fun stuff. Right now, it's focused on the racing. Team Red List. Team Red List. Yeah, if you go on Instagram, you look up Team Red List or um, it's Team underscore Red List. Or you go on Facebook, look up Team Red List Esports. 
Um, we're, we're both, we're on there. It's, it's small following right now. I just started it like, you know, some weeks ago, but, um, you're trying to grow it. I got a few of my friends who I race who are on there and they're just racing and, and no one's paid on it or anything like that. We're just doing it for fun right now. And eventually, hopefully when I have more time, I can put some more effort into it and actually grow it. So, um, how many racing teams are that? Can you talk a little about that? Kind of about, about teams on, uh, racing teams. I mean, obviously you're building one, like how many are there? I mean, not exact numbers, but I mean, is it, I guess what stage is it in right now? Yeah. So, so um, over the last year or so, um, a lot of actual professional racing teams in NASCAR, they're actually doing their own esports teams too. So uh, a lot of the teams and some of the drivers are so like, um, like Dale, Dale, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, you know, he obviously owns Junior Motorsports, which is an Xfinity Series team, but he also started a, an e-racing team because or iRacing team for esports because he loves iRacing and he's been in iRacing forever. Um, but people like Denny Hamlin, you know, Denny Hamlin doesn't own an actual pro racing team, at least in NASCAR, but um, he does have an esports team too and some of the other drivers too. But there's a lot of uh, drivers and teams starting up their own esports teams and, and recruiting drivers for them and getting it going because everyone sees where the wave is going. Eventually, there's it's going to be side by side. It's going to real life racing and there's going to be esports and you know i don't think they're going to be stepping over each other they're just going to be you know filling in the voids where the voids are you know at the end of the day i mean you know nascar races can't be 24 hours a day so on some of the other hours or some of the other days of the week or month or whatever you know some of the esports stuff can be going on so people can have the opportunity to see what they love all the time and i think that will build an even a, even better fan base and then there'll be some great crossovers because when crossovers happens it's always great yeah, going back to even to Veloce Esports and some of the F1 events, they uh, it, influencers are racing, it, non-professionals, uh, you know, amateurs. It's, it's just it's really cool to have the integration of again content creators. That this is obviously a huge, huge market. We talked about Twitch and YouTube and influencers already, but putting all of them into one race, things like that, pro ams. Like there's so yeah. many, it's so many really cool ideas that 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 they're going to activate, and they've already done it already. So there's going to be a lot more of that. Um, yeah, so Colt says, I guess, okay, so Colt was saying, I guess NASCAR could, could pay the game developer, and then the game developer could pay the influencers. I mean, there's different ways to go about doing that. Um, again, it's, it, but it's that concept of, it, like, what, what Veloce is doing, essentially, is, is the level it is right now. At some point, it might get to that level. Um, mm -hmm. Right now, they're, you know, they're just not going through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, trying to, yeah, any other questions, feel free to jump in. I want to ask some more. Oh, Tyler had a question on: Is Team Redlist playing Rocket League currently? Um, no, honestly, right now Team Redlist literally is only on iRacing because I don't have any players in any other, in, in any other game. So if you are a gamer and you're listening to this and you're out there on any other game and you're pretty good, reach out to me. Everybody knows I'm a pretty much I'm an open book. You can reach out to me on any of the social media platforms. Just look up my name right here on the screen, Jesse Wuji. Um, send me a DM and I'll answer it. And yeah, if you're good player on some of the other leagues, I'm, I'd be glad to throw you in and we can make something happen. Um, so uh, once again, I'm, I'm still slowly building this up. So don't think you're just jumping into some crazy, uh, <laughs> own some house with all the esports players there. I'm not yeah. there. Especially one day I'll get there, but right now I'm still small, small time. And if somebody just wants to jump in for fun and just be part of something, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not saying I'm like a huge name or anything like that, but maybe I can use some leverage to help us eventually get sponsorships and things like that. So, um, you know, we're just in the ground phases right now. It's just like uh, when uh, some different startup tech companies start. They started just ground level, you know, maybe yeah. one or one person in their garage. And that's how I am right now. And then, yeah. you know, grow and, and hopefully it can be big. So 
We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the esports gaming tech yeah. startup space. That's, that's what it is. The yeah. esports team, a tech start, it doesn't matter. It's all you start ground floor. It has yep. to start somewhere, and you mm-hmm. build a community. Yep. That's what you have to do. No, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. Uh, so you mentioned a couple of places. Where exactly can they find you on on Twitter and some other social media? Yeah, so I'm on all the social media platforms. Um, I try to use the same name on everything. I don't have any um, like code names or anything like that. You know, um, <laughs> I'm not like Jesse the Body Ventura. I'm not. <laughs> no, uh, just look up my name, Jesse Wuji. So that's J E S S E underscore I W U J I. If you can't remember how to spell my name, go on Google and type in Navy NASCAR driver, and I should be the only one that pops up for a few pages. So um, look that up. You'll see my name. Look up my name on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, you name it, all that stuff. I'm, all, I'm on everything. Um, but you can you can get to me quickest on LinkedIn, Facebook, and um, and uh, Instagram. I answer those DMs before anything else. Uh, last thing I want to mention, you're a motivational speaker. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? And obviously, you know, we're all going through um, you know, different situations, you know, we're all in different, different parts of the world, different situations, uh, different job situations. Um, as far as what, what would your message be, uh, for people going through, well, what we're going through right now? Um, again, it could be different levels, but what, what is your message to kind of, as far as mindset, what kind of mindset should you have right now uh, on the personal side, the business side, as we're dealing with the situation at hand? Yeah. Um, I think it all goes hand in hand, personal side, business side at the F- end of the day right now we're going through a downturn for sure and what i gotta tell everybody is just remember even in the darkest point of the night the sun will still rise right so remember that in the darkest point of the night the sun will rise so as crazy as it may seem right now as crazy as things might be dropping where this is stocks business you name it, your business might be shut down you might be an employee at a business that's shut down right now and you don't know if you're going to be laid off you might be laid off right now there's a lot of things going on right now but where there's lack there's opportunity right when there's lack there's opportunity so in these in these times where there's uncertainty we don't know what's going on what's going to happen next there's a lot of lack but this is where you got to find the opportunities to excel be smart and win the weight. I heard this last night, win the weight. Right now is the weight. We don't know how long this weight's gonna be. We don't know if it's gonna end this weekend. We don't know if it's gonna end two weekends from now. We don't know if it's gonna end three months from now or the rest of the year. We don't know when this is gonna end, but there's a lot of lack right now. And you've gotta find the opportunity. You gotta stay strong enough, long enough, because those are the people who get to the end of the tunnel and finally make it. Um, these are the times where you gotta have the most faith. And when I say faith, people sometimes don't understand what faith means. This is what faith means. You are in a tunnel and it is pitch black, but faith is understanding that at the end of the tunnel, there actually is a light, even though you can't see it at all. You could, you could be walking for a year, you could be walking for a month, you could be walking for a day, you could be walking for 10 years, and it could be pitch black. But having the faith that knowing that, hey, at the end of the tunnel, there actually is there light and, make, and there is light and make us the end, that's faith. And that's what we have to have right now because we are all walking in uncertainty. Nobody knows when this whole thing is going to end. We don't know. So you have to walk in faith and you have to understand that, hey, we are going to make it to the end, but you have to stay strong enough, long enough. Life is a cycle. And a lot of people like to quit when the cycle gets towards the bottom, not understanding that, hey, that cycle is eventually going to come back up. You have to stay with it. You have to keep going. 
like opportunity and rewards and life successes, all that stuff comes to the people who just don't quit. You don't have to have all the talent in the world. Talent only like, you know, like it, it opens up the door, but it doesn't keep you in the room. Talent isn't everything. It's all about effort. It's all about grind. It's all about the patience, dedication, staying consistent and consistent work and effort towards whatever you're trying to get to every single day. If your current job has let you go, well, guess what? It's time to find another one or it's time to start something yourself. You know, at the end of the day, you control your future. Don't let those circumstances uh, define you. You are the only person who can control your future, not your boss, not your whoever, your family, whatever. It's only you. Don't make excuses. Don't be a victim. You aren't a victim. There is no system. There is nothing that's keeping you down except you. You are the only person that's bringing yourself down if anything's happening right now. I don't care what happens out there. You can grind and you can make it to the next day. Don't let yesterday be what is defining your next day. Only you can change what's going on right now. So just keep on putting effort. Be smart. Use research. We got we got the internet here. We got YouTube University. We got Google University. We have so much information online right now that can help us all get to wherever we want to go and help us get through these times right now. Use them in a positive manner. Don't waste your time listening to negativity. Fill your mind with positivity. Listen to podcasts. Listen to different people who are influential, who are doing good things and trying to help people. Listen to that stuff. Honestly, like the news can give you some updates on what's going on right now, but at the end of the day, it's not giving us anything that's positive that's really going to help us right now. Right now, we need to focus on doing the right things, helping those around us, having faith, being there with our family, pushing people in a positive manner, and let's get through this all together. Be smart, do the right things, and we can all get to the end. I don't think I can add a whole lot more to that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Dedication, hard work, patience, being there for each other. I, I resonate with all that, man. That's all. Awesome. That's great stuff. Look, I, I, Jesse, I appreciate you being here. Your story is amazing. Thank you for your service, by the way. Thank you. And for protect, protecting our country. And uh, your, your journey is really, really cool. So uh, I really appreciate you taking time to be with us. Thank you all so much for being on all the platforms and all the questions and comments. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we'll be, be back a couple more times this week. Jesse, thank you, man. Appreciate it. And, yeah. Guess I gotta start an iRacing account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. It's uh, it's not super expensive, so uh, get on there. It's fun, good time. It can train you, and you'll you'll see. Like, I mean, you could get on there and train a lot, and actually jump in a race car and be halfway decent. So, um, it's a really really good way to get some good uh, uh, virtual seat time. <laughs> right. That's pretty good content too. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, guys. We'll see y'all later, Jesse. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just want to thank everyone who has done a five-star rating or review. If you enjoy the content, this is a way to get the word out about the Level Up experience, and I really do appreciate it. A couple things, if you want to get connected uh, outside of the podcast, um, we do a live stream on YouTube and LinkedIn. So just search Level Up Experience on YouTube uh, to be a part of the live stream there. We also do LinkedIn Live, as mentioned. Search my name, Chris Reed, C-R-I-S. R-E-E-D to get notifications on either platform. Thank you all for all the support and we'll see you on the next episode.